He's the Deacon Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Good morning, Father. Get me out of the way that your truths would be lifted up and you would be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, it's Valentine's Day. So that was a perfect time to talk about the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about love in all its various forms. But, you know, we've been circling, I've been circling the wagons on some things, but uh, why do we study Scripture? Why, are we, why is this part of the surface? Because of this part. To be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We stuff Bible into our heads. We go deep on Sundays. And to just pour Scripture on you. To let you see that there's that God has rich, rich answers to things. And a very clear... God's messages are always clear, but they're always so deep. So, here's where we're going with this. The last several weeks, we've been talking about... Um, Building up to this, which is not this week, Valentine's message is not self-defense, so don't worry. <laughs> that would be an odd message. All right, But we talked about justice is good, right? We talked about trusting and obeying, specifically in the realm of taking care of your family, being responsible, right? That's a big one. Then we have, last week we talked about the difference between suffering as a human being versus suffering for Christ, and the two are different. And then we're building the case today, what block is not on here, oddly enough, I'll add it next week, I guess, is what, what does it mean to love? What does love look like for the Christian? And in the next three weeks, we're eventually going to get to self-defense. All right? That needs to be in there because in our country and all this extra diversity that's coming in, you're right, and everything that's coming, these questions are up. I, there's, a, there's a minister, you can listen to him online. For the, he's pretty solid and safe for the most part. His name is J.D. Hall, and his podcast is called Pulpit and Pen. But he's a minister who literally keeps his sidearm at church. When he's preaching, he's armed. Now, he's out of like Colorado or one of those big wilderness states, one of the, I don't remember which one. But, and I think it's odd, right? It's like, well, how could, what, a preacher can, but he says if, if someone came through the door, he's going to be the shepherd to run into the back, you know, protecting his flock. And it's like, okay, right? That's really not part of the American culture that we would equate. Most of us are, what I, when I picked on John Piper last week, he's saying, hey, nope, gun, Christians shouldn't even have guns. And if something bad happens to you, just praise the Lord for it. And I had a problem with that sermon, and that's what we unpacked last week, the difference of suffering for Christ versus suffering for being stupid. Really, there's a difference. So, but the big case, John Piper gets his content. Uh, he's been picked on. He's called what um, a lot of people call a red-letter Christian. You ever heard of that? A red-letter Christian? Meaning they only read the stuff that Jesus said. In some of your Bibles, it's red letters when it's Jesus. And so they, only, they pick and choose that and everything else is irrelevant. And the Sermon on the Mount is a lot of red, right? It's Jesus. It's a big sermon. So... 
he's picked on for calling that because he'll take verses that we're about to read and construe that to saying, so whatever happens to you, just just walk to the cross with your head down no matter what. And you get this impression that Christians wear the... We, we just let whatever happened to us happen to us no matter what. And that's simply irresponsible and disobedient and not trusting God. It's all these bad things and it doesn't glorify God. Okay? So we're going to go into the Sermon on the Mount. Because this is the highest form of love. Valentine's love, right? Love, 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 love. Here we go. Sermon on the Mount. But before we do that... <clears throat> Why is Jesus talking about the Sermon on the Mount? What is that sermon all about? Let's unpack a few things. We mentioned it here this morning. Deuteronomy 6.4. This is the great Shema, and most uh, Hebrews have to memorize this as a kid in Hebrew, which I can only shred it and make it sound horrible if I try to say it in Hebrew. But it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then... Uh, Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's why we're made as human beings to love God with every bit of us. We're to be loving God. And that does not come natural to a being that is dead in sin. Alright? So just by being born... In sin, we've already broken the greatest commandment. Alright? That's a problem. Now, Jesus points this out in Matthew 22, where he says in verses 37 through 40, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Well, now we know where he got it, right? This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything, all about the Old Testament is pushing to this. This is the pinnacle, the top of the pyramid. This is what it's all about. And if we unpack that... We come to this moral law of God. We've all seen these Ten Commandments, right? The first four are about our relationship to God. The the five through ten is about our relationship to each other. All right? And uh, that's the big thing I wanted to point out about them. And these all is what it looks like if you were to say, okay, well, what does it mean to love God and love my neighbor as yourself? You unpack to page two, you've got the Ten Commandments. And it really doesn't take much more than that, right, to get the big idea. Now, notice six. I had to find when I was looking for Google images, six, do not murder. A lot of people want to say do not kill. The actual term is do not murder. And the difference between killing and murder is... Justice. Justice. When an unborn baby is murdered, that's injustice taking place. But um, if someone's coming into your home to threaten to destroy your wife and children and you stop them with lethal force, that's killing, that's justice. Do you understand the difference? In some states, they have executions. 
That's justice. So that's why some people will call Christians hypocrites and say, how can you believe in corporal punishment, corporal punishment, capital punishment, and, uh, and uh, you know, be pro-life? You know, what, how can you do that? Because the difference is between murder and killing. One is justice, one is injustice. That's the difference. And that's what people struggle over. So, back to Jesus concerning the law of God. Because the sermon that we're about to pick into, I'll, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But Jesus says in Matthew 5.17, this is Jesus referring to the Old Testament. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we want to cover this because how much of the Old Testament should a Christian obey? And we're just going to mention that for a moment. But in 18 through 20, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it's all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What? I'm not going to unpack that last statement in big detail because we're thinking, well, the Pharisees are a bunch of losers. It can't be that hard to be holier than them. No, Jesus was going to the fact that they poured over the laws. They poured over the Old Testament and they poured over the oral traditions. It's very important to them. And I was concerned preaching that because as Christians, it's like, I'm about ready to tell you there are certain things in the Old Testament you don't have to follow after just reading to you that Jesus says, hey, you better not be telling people to follow stuff less. Right? So I'm like, uh-oh, Lord, how do I do this? But don't worry, we'll get there. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> I need to explain something here. I'm setting and serving here because we're getting ready to go into the Mount, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And right before that, we need to unpack this just relationship between Christians and the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we can, the Jews don't break this up this way, but we do. We break up the Old Testament into three major categories. The civil law, the ceremonial, and the moral. What part do Christians have to obey? The civil law, you know, those are things like if your ox gores somebody, that, that ox needs to be killed. How many of you have oxes? <laughs> The civil, that's context with Moses giving rules to the nation, the Hebrew nation, about how they're to run things because the president is God. God's right there. It's a theocracy. He's setting that up for the Jewish people. Ceremonially, you know, did you all come in? Did you bring your sacrifices? Not just the hamburger and hot dogs, but did you bring your pigeons and did you bring things and we're going to sacrifice them? Did you all bring that? Oh. Yeah? <laughs> all right? We don't need to do that part anymore. And there's a, there's a reason for that. But the command to love God with everything you've got, that's still there, right? Matter of fact, these two were to reflect the moral code, reconciling man and bringing them to the, back to the ability to love God. 
And don't we want to love God? Right? The civil law of Old Testament. I'll just, I'm just going to abbreviate this really quick. Uh, Acts chapter 15 was all about the new Jewish Christians um, fighting over whether or not the Gentile Christians should have to become fully Jewish and follow everything. A big fight in Acts. And they don't. Okay, And then the same thing happened again in Galatians. Galatians is all about Paul saying, you Gentiles, us non-Jews, don't try to be a Jew. Because if you try to be a Jew in a little bit, you've got to be a Jew in all the way and you don't need Jesus anymore. Stop. He's saying, follow Jesus. That's what Galatians is all about. So, But this is just narrating that big story. Okay, and these two guys, right, I got this off their Twitter feed, right, Peter, St. Peter and St. Paul, they had big fights over it, big fights over what they should do and such. Well, that's it for the civil law. I just really abbreviated that for you all. The ceremonial law, Hebrews chapter 7 through 9 talks about that. Um, And I pulled one verse to highlight it. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So the Jews, they had a special priest who first had to kill animals and put blood on himself because he was unholy. So then he would be cleansed enough to take your sacrifice because you're unholy and we're going to kill those animals and, and do that. Okay, that's all done. Jesus sacrificed himself. He's in heaven with God the Father. It's done once, it's for all. It doesn't ever need to be done again. It's gone, right? And that's why a Christian is always saved because that sacrifice is a one-time sacrifice that completes it all. There's nothing you can do because Jesus is before God the Father a complete sacrifice. He's now the high priest. So there is no earthly high priest between you and God. Okay? It's a big deal. Now, we're getting ready to go into the Sermon on the Mount. And this is about the moral law, obeying the moral law. And Jesus says a couple things here. There's when it was said, he's going to say it was said, and then and a lot of times in the in the scriptures it says it is written, you shall do this. And it is said means of the oral tradition. So we're about to hear the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to hear you heard it was said. Okay? Now what that means is this there's the Old Testament law of it is written, and then there's the Jewish oral tradition, you heard that it was said. Okay, so Jesus is going to take this to the highest realm. Because, <clears throat> you know, there are t- in the Old Testament, you're not supposed to work on Sundays at all. You're not even supposed to pick up a stick, right? As a matter of fact, it's not Sundays, Saturdays. If you were to go to Israel um, and spend a week there, their, their Sabbath rest begins Friday night. So, you, you know, Friday night is the deadest night to be hanging out in Israel. Not their party night. It's like all of a sudden the roads get vacant. All the lights turn off. As a matter of fact, they're not even allowed to turn the lights on because it might create a spark. So the lights are automatically set to turn on. Okay, So the quietest night in Israel is Friday nights. They make up for it Saturday night, but Friday nights. And it goes till the evening. So the day starts in the evening of the day before. Does that make sense? 
It's really weird. So, <clears throat> it's interesting, not weird. Nah, it's weird. All right. Um, so there's a lot of these laws, and the reason they do that is because they don't want to break God's moral code, don't work, so don't throw on that light switch, it might cause a spark. Don't pick up the stick. Don't walk a mile. Only walk half a mile. They don't want to break the work law, so thus they have all these extra laws. All right? So Jesus goes straight for the highest. This is all about what it looks like to love God and love people. This is the name of the game right here. And I'm only going to pull out the, the, the parts that I think are relevant for this. This was a big sermon. First murder in Matthew 5:21 and 22 you have heard that it was said to those of old so now he's he's doing two things he's talking about what is written and then he's talking about specifically when he says heard that it was said he's talking about the oral tradition you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment but i say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. It's like, what? Wait a minute. Wait. You know, that's raising the bar way beyond normal expectations. Because we've got our, hey, someone did us wrong. And we're quick to tell, you know, we know they're wrong. They're bad. And we deserve to give them a spanking. Do we not? Right? So... Those are the, the, the typical thing. It's like, give me a reason for justice. Give me a reason to get back at them. And Jesus is saying, you're not even allowed to be angry with that person who did you wrong. You're not even allowed to be angry. It's one thing to be hurt, angry a little bit, but you better forgive, you better let it go, because if you hold it, a sinner holding on to anger never mixes well, ever. And Jesus is calling it right out and saying, you better be really nice and don't even call him a fool. Something about this particular way they're calling a fool a fool is very, very bad. Okay? Just right out of the park. It's not something that Jewish people were used to hearing. And I just think back in... And teenagers and college students... Well, more teenagers because you're all stuck in the same school together. But that... Boy, do there, do, is there fights at the school? Even in Little Pawpaw, do there, is there fights? I know Kaylin came home last week, just in her gym class, two kids duked it out or had a big spit spout. Right? Lots of friction. Okay? Now, adultery and fornication. Jesus said, Matthew five twenty seven and 28, You have heard that it is said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to everyone that looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery. Now, I added fornication here, because we don't hear this in the church months. That's any physical intimacy outside the realm of marriage. That's usually before marriage, and this is when someone's in a marriage covenant. All right, It's all bad with, with outside of the marriage covenant, physical intimacy. Now, there's a difference between desire and lustful intent. All right? And that Jesus is saying it's the heart. Anger, it's the heart. Lust, it's the heart. And then he goes on, because the Jews just keep it legal and it's okay. The Jews like to get rid of their women. 
all right, particular Jews, and they had to find a justification for it. So as long as there's good paperwork, paperwork's good, you're out of here, lady. Get out of here. I'm going to get me a new one. Paperwork's good. It's legal. It's binding. It's okay. God likes it. Right? That's what the, uh, Matthew 5, 31 and 32 is, where Jesus says, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Legal, good, binding. What's wrong with that? Right? Verse 32, But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So Jesus is saying, don't even go there. That, matter of fact, the only thing he gives us a way out is if someone's already committed adultery. All right? But even in that case, the point is grace, mercy, unconditional love. The point is coming together, not going apart. It goes way beyond um, just the letter of the law. Or in this case, it wasn't even the letter of the law. Because we know how Jesus responds to this in another portion of text where he says, the only reason Moses gave you a certificate of divorce is because your hearts are hard, because you're evil. But in the beginning, it wasn't so. Okay? These are all the high... This is love. This is real love. If, the, if, if this love is making you feel tired in the, in the sense that burdened, then welcome to living for Jesus. Because God's love, although it's... It's not burdensome if we want it, but if we don't want to obey God, it becomes a burden. Oh, I gotta be nicer, folks. Oh, I gotta try more. Oh, I gotta be obedient. It feels like a burden only because we're fighting against it. All right? Not telling the truth. Hey, no kidding, lying is bad. 5.33-37 through 37, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, and shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God. And then he goes on with a bunch of other reasons why you shouldn't be taking oaths. And then he wraps up with verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Alright? Now, in the sales world, I see this a lot. Lots of promises, right? We're coming into the politics season, you know, political season. Lots of promises. And, oh, this is going to happen. It's going to be wonderful. And, And what we don't see is simple yes or no answers, right? We never see that. Matter of fact, that would freak us out if a politician just said, No! Yes! What? Aren't you going to give us a line of baloney to give us something to shovel out of, trying to find the truth that you're attempting to not say? All right? So, there's one thing to swear, No, man, I'll do it. I swear I'll do it. To just simply say, Okay, I'll get it done. No, I can't get it done. Right? That type of stuff. To, to the highest level of authentic communication, which is loving God and loving your neighbor. Justice versus revenge to the highest form. Now we're going to get into the part which gets twisted into making Christians these mamby-pamby, okay, just do bad to me. All right, let's look at this part. Matthew 5.38. Um, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
Let's unpack this statement right here first. Not only is it said, but remember it's coming from the Old Testament text of it is written, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And you know what? That's not bad. Just like the other one's commands weren't bad. That's not bad, because what is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? It's justice, right? It's justice. It's not revenge. It's justice. But you have heard that it was said is spinning that to revenge. No, I want justice. Get that man. Get that justice. Get that justice for me. You won't get that justice. I'll get that justice. Justice will be had. You better get alongside God because we're going to get some justice. That's that's not justice. That's revenge. Okay. So the law, justice is good. It was said is twisted for the sake of revenge. That is bad. And if we're called to love people, we're even called to love evil people. And there's no room for revenge. And God will see that justice is is met if we love people. And we're going to unpack that in a second. But one thing is never in conflict. Love of God and justice are never in conflict. Alright? So it's not get justice or love them. If you really want to get justice, go love them. Because God loves you. God saved you. Right? And there's a lot of ways, and we'll see, to love people other than just being a pushover. Alright? When you're a pushover, you are not loving someone. You're being mean to them, you're enabling them, and you're being mean to yourself. And if you're your dad and a husband and you got a family, then you're being mean to your family. Okay, that's not loving. But Matthew five, thirty nine through forty two, Jesus says, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one whom would borrow from you. All right, well, that looks like a pushover, doesn't it? Right? Just don't resist. Don't resist an evil person. Isn't it right there, clear, clear as day? Um, we're going to unpack that. And first, just a couple thoughts here. You know, um, if I'm out street evangelizing, and I hear a lot of preachers do this, they even the one who the preacher who carries his gun, and he's out, if he's out street evangelizing, guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't bring his gun because he knows he's going to get pushback. He's going to suffer for serving Jesus. All right, <clears throat> this is all in context here. Let me get to this. Matthew five forty three. You have heard that it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." Um, First of all, nowhere in the Old Testament does it say, hate your enemy. Okay, it's not there. Alright, it actually talks about being gracious to the sojourner. Alright, there's a lot of things. Now, David did pray, you know, Lord, I hate those who hate you. Alright, but that's a devotion to God. It's not about just hating your enemies. It's about hating evil, which is what we're supposed to do. And it is said, so this doesn't say this, but where it says, it is said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay? And that's the twist. Somewhere in some oral tradition it says that, but it does not say that in the Old Testament. 
And by the way, we are allowed to hate sin. We're allowed to hate our own sin, and we're allowed to hate the sin in others. Matthew 5, 44-47, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right? This is calling to a higher level of love. What does it look like to love your enemies? All right? Does that mean just don't resist? If, if I'm walking... Here's a true story. So I was in Israel in 97, and there's a group of us walking back from the school to the hostel where we were staying, and there were some Palestinians. Now it was me and two girls walking back. Some Palestinians coming up and everyone's bilingual or trilingual and they started saying to cussing in English because they thought it was cool right hey, blah 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 <laughs> right and so the girls and I, I we went to one side of the road and then I went back and walked with the guys keeping the ladies on the other side of the road I wasn't getting in their face going what are you thinking what's your problem I'm going to get you I didn't do any of that I just talked with them and tried to you know they thought they were being clever and funny but it didn't matter the girls were on the other side of the road and you know there was no problem did I resist them did I just give in to them it's how we love people and how we love our enemies we need to use wisdom and discernment I didn't just say oh well come get the girls I didn't do that Right? Because that would have been incredibly ungodly, not loving my neighbor, not loving those enemies, right? Potential enemies. They may not have been enemies at all. But we've got to use discernment in what it means to resist or not resist a person. If I was by myself and I know I'm going to get resistance, I don't know. I might try to break a kneecap, right? <laughs> Which. Um, but then again, am I being pushed because I'm serving Jesus? Or am I being pushed because I'm stupid and shouldn't have been by myself? We've got to learn the difference. Are you suffering for Jesus? Are you suffering because you're lazy or foolish or you don't want to serve the Lord? And that's what we need to discern and that's what we're talking about. Because that's what you need to discern. Can it bring glory to God? And this is all coming back to, I always have this situation in my mind, if someone's breaking down the door of my house at 2 in the morning or breaking in, it doesn't matter if they're only there to steal. I don't know that. I can't see them because I have to put on my little glasses, right? And so it's going to be shoot first, ask questions later because, yeah, I'm allowed to love my enemies. I'm supposed to love my enemies, but I'm also commanded to love, provide, and protect for my wife and children. Which one comes first? Let's undo. We'll unpack the details later, right? <laughs> And there's a difference. That's not revenge. So I want us to make sure that, as certainly as Christian men, that we're responsible to know the difference. And, of course, this always comes back to the Syrian refugees, and I have to make a correction here. Last week I said uh, Obama already let in 10,000 into Texas. That isn't the case. 
Uh, but he's looking to let in not only 10,000, he wants to let in over 85,000 of these folks in 2016. That's his goal. Folks at 1 in 10 are, believe in Sharia law and want to see you all either conform or be punished for not being Muslims. That's the ideology that's coming in. Is that safe? Is that godly to say, sure, come on in? And are, are, are we going out there preaching to them? Are we setting up camps where we can, you know, give them the gospel? No, we're not doing anything godly. We're just saying, oh, sure, you want to be dangerous? Come live in my town? Come on, come on. There's nothing in there that's godly to neighbors or friends or family. And I want to make sure we unpack that. As we wrap this up in the next couple of weeks, um, now what does it look like concerning self-defense and fulfilling the command to provide for your family? And then the the last couple of sermons are going to be this. Lethal self-defense versus pacifism. Christian martyrdom versus irresponsible victim. You know, if you're, here's the question to ask. If you're a Christian and somebody is fighting back to you and you resist and you, you, know, you hide the kids and you try to get the family to safety, you know, instead of just rolling over, if you try to get everyone to safety, are you still a martyr if they get you and kill you? Because you tried to protect or not. So we got to get this, we got to make sure we have the right vision of what a martyr looks like. And then meekness versus weakness. And then, of course, finally, the big one that confuses most Christians is Christians in America. Because I have people say uh, to me, like, you can, you can, uh, Christians shouldn't carry a gun. And, and you, if you can show me from the Bible you have a right to carry a gun, you go right ahead and do that. But don't use the Constitution. I'm like, what? You know, Constitution ain't the Bible. Yeah, but we're Christians living in a country where they gave us that freedom. Why can't I at least mention it? Christians in our context. We're not in Rome. Back to love. Joshua 23.11 Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And that's the real deal. What does Scripture say about this? God's got answers. And of course, I want to encourage you. We don't miss work. We don't miss school. We don't miss church. That's the Hebrews' command to go to be with fellowship. And finally, this: for this is the love of God, and this is why we dive into this: that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Okay, if it feels like a burden to you, something's up. His commandments are not a burdensome. Let's pray. Father, that was a clumsy mess from me. I pray that uh, the truth would stick and that, um, that I would continue to be sharpened by the word of the Lord and um, speak it correctly as well as these saints. But most importantly, Father, that we'd be motivated from the command to love you. Please help us to love you feel love for you and want to do things for you because you first loved us. And now I pray that you bless those delicious burgers I can smell and the hot dogs and the food and the fellowship because it's all about love. Loving you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakanddeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakanddeacon.com. Truth is here.